0: Championship Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live post game show. Appreciate you joining me tonight, particularly with the Dodger game on. We will keep some tabs on that right now. The Dodgers are trailing 1-0 in the middle of the first inning. Come on, Dodgers. Let's get it together here. But let's break down tonight's Lakers versus Suns, or I guess I should say this afternoon's Lakers versus Suns game. The Lakers do wind up losing this one. It was was never really a contest. The Suns really ran away from it. Well, okay, the Lakers put up a little bit of fight part of the way through the first quarter, though. The Suns really started to push down on the gas pedal, and they were able to pull away. Uh, It felt like they had a 20-plus point lead for much of this one, but maybe not really a surprise, given that the Suns played all of their starters except for Devin Booker. All guys that were on the team last season, and the Lakers played none of their starters except except for Anthony Davis. You saw LeBron James, Trevor Ariza, Russell Westbrook, Dwight Howard, these guys all out. So, we're going to break down exactly what happened in this one. What the good things that we saw were and what some of the bad things were as well and I know there's probably a little bit more bad than good right now but we do want to make sure that we keep the context in mind here it's a preseason game the Lakers coaching staff has made it very clear they're throwing out a lot of different things just to kind of see what works right now they're literally experimenting mid-game right now, just trying different things out just to find out what works, what doesn't. They're not really concerned with the outcome of the game or the overall score. They're just trying to see what they've got at this moment. Again, only three players stuck around from last season. The rest of the team has been turned over, and so it's going to take time for the coaching staff even to figure out exactly who's going to go where, who's going to play in what role, as well as the Lakers to figure out on the floor build that chemistry. So that's going to take some time too. So if anybody's feeling really stressed right now, if you're frustrated with what we saw, deep breath, it's just preseason. It's not a good thing, what we're seeing right now. There's a number of things that might be concerning, but it's also not the end of the world. Again, preseason does not equal regular season, particularly when you're missing the guys that the Lakers are missing. Okay, so let me throw that out there just to start, just in case anybody is too upset right now over what is happening with the Lakers. Obviously, two losses in a row to start preseason play and frankly some of their guys have not looked that great. So something to consider though, preseason very very early. This is a brand new team. They just started practicing together what a week and a half ago. Takes these things take time. They just do. They do. But let's talk a little bit about uh about what we saw out there. Uh, I'll go over some of the stats first. So 117 to 105. The Suns win. It was not that close, though. The Lakers made a bit of a comeback in the fourth quarter. In fact, they won the fourth quarter 31-15 to and still lost the game by 12. Yeah, That tells you how out of hand this game did get. But Carmelo Anthony makes his Lakers debut, played 17 minutes, 4 for 10 shooting, 2 boards, 1 assist, 1 steal, 8 points for him. AD, 14-8. Two assists, two steals, two blocks for him. Just five for 14 shooting, though, from the field. One for three from deep. Wayne Ellington, also in the starting lineup, uh, scored five points on one for three shooting from deep, two for five from the field. THT got going late. Didn't have five turnovers, though. We will talk a bit about THT. 11 points, three boards, three assists. Two of four from three, so you like that. Kendrick Nunn, also 11 points. But the main standout for the Lakers, second game in a row, Malik Monk. 18 points this time, had 15 last time, shot seven for 11 from the field, four for seven from deep, makes some really tough shots. Uh, I also racked up three assists on top of that. So Malik Monk, certainly the standout so far, but we've got a lot of guys here to break down and discuss. So let me get into some of your questions and comments, and let's go from there. All right, Dustin Rigsby. Uh, face from Facebook said, if his defense can improve over the rest of preseason, I feel like Malik should be the two guard starter. He does everything mostly better than the others. Plus he showed he can do something in the pick and roll with AD offensively. You're right. Yes. If we're looking at the other competition, right. To be the starting two guard, when we're talking about Wayne Ellington, when we're talking about, uh, Ken Baysmore offensively, he's better. There's no question; he's simply better now. Wayne Ellington, probably the best pure shooter shooter of the group. We haven't seen it so far, Malik Monk. But again, caution everybody: it's a small sample size. Over the course of his career, we feel pretty good that Wayne Ellington is a good shooter. We just haven't quite seen that. But again, it's only two preseason games. We're, We're we're we haven't even started the race just yet, so we have a ways to go here. But Wayne Ellington, probably the better pure shooter. Everything else offensively, though, you could probably give to Malik Monk uh, in terms of creating his own shot, attacking the basket, setting up other people, passing, all of that on the offensive end of the floor. Now, I will say, though, that Malik Monk and Wayne Ellington are two of the worst defenders that the Lakers have on the perimeter. You saw Malik Monk get burned by Abdel Nader uh, tonight on one play where he tried, he did everything he could effort-wise to stick with him, but just didn't quite take the right angle, got back cut, and and led to a layup. Malik Monk struggles on the defensive end of the floor, and that's okay, because it could be that his role is simply sixth-man scorer, Lou Williams style. I could very easily see him accepting that kind of a role and really thriving in that kind of a role. So that's something to consider. Is that what Malik Monk is? Because if he is, then the defense isn't quite as big of a concern, because you're looking for him to just come in off the bench and put in points, and I think that's something he can very well do. I question whether or not he can start, again, because of the defensive side of the ball, to the point where maybe you give the nod to Kent Bazemore, who I think has shown much better defensively, and we've also heard out of practices. Frank Vogel has said he's really separated himself from the rest of the guard bunch. The other guy in the mix there, Taylor Horton Tucker, we do need to talk about him, but I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of questions and comments about him. Malik I'm I'm really torn overall. I'm really torn as far as Do you put him with the starters or do you keep him in the role that right now he's kind of thriving in and that's coming off the bench, no conscience, just put the ball in the basket? I think he's a real fine for the Lakers. I think he's a very, very nice bargain on a veteran minimum contract. I don't know if I want to put him in the starting lineup just yet, though. I need to see more, and especially on the defensive end of the floor, which you referenced there, Dustin. All right, let's see what else we've got going here. Uh, I've got somebody from Facebook said, THT needs to let the game come to him. This game can be good, but sometimes he's too hyped. He doesn't know how to scan the floor. Yeah, and part of that, and we've talked about it a bunch, part of that is just being young. Again, he's only 20 years old, right? He is still not 21, won't turn 21 until November. So he's got plenty of time to develop. I felt like we saw THT not really assert himself in the first half, maybe because he was pushing a little bit too much in the first preseason game, he was trying to do too much. This game, he tried to let the game come to him, and he was kind of invisible in the first half of the game. In the second half, it felt like he really kind of got going a bit there. We saw him make a few nice moves. A few silly plays, too, where he would turn the ball over, again, five turnovers. But I thought we saw him be a little bit more like himself in the second half. Uh, I think you want an aggressive attack-minded Taylor Horton Tucker, but you're right in that his decision-making is still not the best. He doesn't understand exactly when to shoot and when to pass, nor does he fully understand where that pass needs to go to in terms of when he does get into the paint and collapse the defense. So that's something to keep an eye on too in terms of Talon Horton Tucker's growth is how does his decision-making improve over the next, what, year or so? Remember, very, very young player. The Lakers did pay him though. He's the fourth highest paid player on the Lakers. So there's expectations that come with that. So I'm curious to see, what he's able to do this season, two from four from three, you'll certainly take that. We did hear that he'd been working on his three-point shot quite a bit. Defensively, it was a bit of a mixed bag today for THT. So we'll see. I was hoping for a better performance out of him, but this isn't all bad either. I thought we saw some good things from him as well. Uh, somebody said too many turnovers. Yeah, that's uh, look, the turnovers are, that that comes with, preseason basketball that's and that's not even just the lakers that's preseason basketball period we usually have a lot of turnovers and then on top of that you add in that the lakers have so many new guys that are learning each other learning their tendencies learning the system that's going to take some time as well and actually i mean 17 turnovers for a preseason game it could be worse that's not good but it could have been worse what we do need to talk about though is the rebounding so The Lakers, so far, I don't know exactly what to make of this just yet, but the Lakers, through two games, have been absolutely crushed on the boards. Both games dominated on the glass. The Lakers, in this game, uh, against the Suns, 40 boards, four on the offensive end. The Suns, 52 and 12 offensive rebounds. Now, if you look at the Lakers' lineup, you say, well, of course. Of course they're getting dominated on the glass. You look at who they're putting out there for the most part. in fact, I think really for the entire game, the Lakers were playing one big and four guards, except for the minutes that Carmelo Anthony was out there. Why are they doing that? They don't have a choice. You don't have LeBron. You don't have Ariza. You don't have Dwight. And you don't even have Russell Westbrook, who's your your best rebounding guard, arguably. In fact, I don't even think it's that much of an argument. The best rebounding guard in the NBA. So, add all that up, and you would say, well, of course, the Lakers are getting dominated on the boards. But still, it's not great to see. It's not great to see, particularly in terms of the technique that we're seeing. We're seeing players that are still continuing to miss box outs, and that's a problem. We're also seeing plays, though, where guys are boxing out, and they're just not big enough. They're going up against a guy, you know, Jalen Smith, is just simply bigger than Kent Bazemore is. And so, that's a problem. So, you're losing rebounds in that way. All right, But we are seeing some mistakes technique-wise. We're also seeing just they're bigger because the Lakers don't have really any of their wings playing right now. So on one hand, yeah, it's concerning that two games in a row, they've really gotten burned on the glass. But how big of a concern is it when we don't see the guys who are really in there to, to fix that? If LeBron, let's say next game, all those guys play, LeBron, Westbrook, AD still plays. Dwight, like you get everybody playing and it's still a problem, then okay. Then we can start to address this as a real issue moving forward. For right now, the Lakers are kind of forced to play small ball. And so I don't want to ring the panic alarm on this issue just yet. It would be better, of course, if we were seeing guys really focus on boxing out. We weren't seeing the mistakes technique-wise. But they're so small that there were some situations tonight where they actually did it right and it just didn't matter because they're so small out there. So. Again, I don't want to panic too much about the uh, uh about the rebounding issue until we see it continue to be a problem when everybody is out there. Uh people saying the Lakers defense was lazy. So I didn't see a lot of I didn't see a lot of defensive cohesiveness out there. And again, again, that's to be expected. This is a very new team. But here's what I saw a lot of. I saw a lot of the Suns forcing the Lakers players to make one or two decisions and then the defense collapsing. You want to have a defense that can make three, four decisions and still not give up anything. That's important, right? If you can get a defense that can do those things within the constraints of a 24-second clock, you're really good. You're forcing the other team into some bad looks, right? But the Lakers' defense was breaking down after having to make one or two decisions in terms of how you're going to handle the pick and roll. And again, part of that is they're just out of sync because everything is new, but it's still something that has to improve. You guys saw a Suns team that has been together for over a year now that made a deep finals run, that is is already clicking. They already know exactly what they're running. They know the timing. They know their spacing. They know exactly who needs to be where. The Lakers defense doesn't, and the Suns are one of those teams, and you hear me talk about this a lot, the best offensive teams in the NBA. They will find your weaknesses, and they will exploit them to where if you are half of a step off in your coverage, they will see that and they will exploit it, and they'll get an open look out of it. The best offenses in the in the NBA are good enough to do it. The worst offenses are not. Some of the, the lower-level teams, they will let you live with mistakes like that. The Suns are one of the better teams in the Western Conference. They will punish you for your mistakes, and they did that tonight. And You saw that a lot with Chris Paul throwing the lobs, things like that, where the Lakers' coverage just was not there. But again, you don't really expect it to be this early in the process. But It was not a great sign. I was not happy with a lot of the things we saw defensively. They were really a mess. There were a lot of just complete mistakes where two players both thought the other person was going to do the opposite of what they actually did, and it resulted in an open look for the sun. sometimes even an open layup. Frank Vogel can't be happy with the defense right now. Again, though, don't sound the alarm, but it's something to watch moving forward because it's something that can't continue. It's something that's got to get fixed before the regular season begins. Mama Mentality from YouTube said, "AD with a super chat, thank you." Said AD needs to take the initiative and go for the block. He relies too much on the help, and when it does, uh, when it doesn't come, it's an easy layup for the other team. Well, I do wonder how much of that is it's preseason. Well, that's one of the things that I've talked about. I've talked about this with Keith Smith over on the NBA Front Office Show, which cheap plug you guys should definitely go subscribe to as well, if, uh, as well as here on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. But Star players in in the NBA in preseason, they really have two things on their mind, and one of them is get into a rhythm, but the one that's above that, number one on their mind, is don't get hurt. Right? Nobody wants to get hurt in preseason. Anthony Davis is getting some reps out there just to get his legs under him. You see this happen a decent amount in preseason where a star doesn't really look like, look like themselves and then the regular season starts up and suddenly they're fine. It's because they're they're just not trying that hard. They're just kind of going through the motions, kind of getting into a rhythm during preseason and that's about it. Now, it's possible that's not the case. It's possible AD really is going all out right now and it's just going to take a while for him to ramp up, but my sense at the moment is that we're seeing an Anthony Davis that is playing, I don't know, maybe it's 70% motor, right? He's maybe going 70% after this, but he's not really pushing down on that gas pedal just yet. I thought we saw some good things out of him. The two blocks will certainly take that. Eight rebounds, great. The Lakers absolutely need that as well. I liked his willingness to shoot the three. Five for 14 shooting from the field, that's simply not good enough for Anthony Davis. But I thought this was a better outing than what we saw last time around out of him. So we're getting there. We're getting there. He's getting some reps. And uh, until it's regular season and this continues to be a thing, again, I'm not going to sound the alarm just yet on that. Let's see. You know, one of the other things that I want to talk about, and this is, (laughs) this is one of the main things that I've had come in here people saying Anthony Davis is regressing, AD is soft and all this kind of stuff. It's preseason. Again, there's a lot of stars that go into preseason not really pushing down on the gas pedal here. And I'd imagine Anthony Davis given the injury issues. That probably includes him. But we'll see come regular season time. DeAndre Jordan, though. We need to talk about him. We need to talk about DeAndre Jordan and where he fits with this team. I thought tonight, this afternoon, I guess, he got outplayed by JaVale McGee, and I thought his lack of mobility was really exploited by the Suns. Um, he did have a really nice catch off of, I believe it was an Austin Reeves pass, where he spun in the lane and then finished, which was great. It looked amazing. I mean, looked, he looked pretty quick on the play. But then notice what he did on it. It was a lay-in. And I'm thinking, and you can't help but think, man, that was a great play. But five years ago, that's a highlight real dunk. Right? He's not really that guy anymore. Uh, We've been hearing great things about him out of practice in terms of how he's been playing. So far, we haven't seen that in game situations just yet. Again, and I'm sorry to repeat myself so much, it's very early, and so you don't want to write him off completely. But so far, he doesn't look great. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to play him a lot, though. If he just doesn't look great in games, that means you're going to see more Dwight and more AD at the five. So, again, don't worry too much about that. But thus far, haven't been that impressed with DeAndre Jordan in terms of the mobility, in terms of his rim protection. It's been okay-ish. But tonight, you've got from DeAndre Jordan, three for three shooting. That's fine, obviously. Seven boards, though. One assist, six points in 20 minutes of play. You'd like to see a bit better out of him, particularly with the uh, just the, the overall burst seemed to be lacking in this one. Johnny Kilroy said, did JaVale look better than DeAndre Jordan tonight? Yes. Yeah, that's what I was just talking about there. Also, why didn't we sign JaVale if we plan on going back to the two-center 2020 format? Uh, Johnny, thanks for the super chat. Uh, The reason why is because JaVale got almost twice what DeAndre Jordan did. JaVale got, I believe, $5 million from the Phoenix Suns. So the Lakers are paying a lot less for DeAndre Jordan than what JaVale McGee is getting. I would think that if it was all equal and JaVale said, hey, I'm getting a bunch of veteran minimum offers, Uh, then the Lakers would have offered him better minimum as well, and maybe he would be back, but he didn't. He got an offer for about double that from the Phoenix Suns. So that's why the Lakers didn't get JaVale McGee and instead wound up with DeAndre Jordan. Although from what we heard in the offseason, another option for them, or at least they hoped was going to be an option, was Damian Jones. That was who they were hoping to bring back. If you remember him from last season, had a 10-day contract, a couple of 10-day contracts with the Lakers, looked pretty decent. The Lakers eventually waived him in order to make room to bring in Andre Drummond. Uh, He went on to sign with the Sacramento Kings, and the thought around the league was that the Kings weren't going to pick up the $1.9 million player or team option on his deal for this year, and the Lakers were going to bring him back. And then the Kings surprised everybody and said, you know, we really need a sixth or seventh or tenth, whatever it is at this point, center on our roster. And so they, uh, they picked up his option, brought him back and the Lakers were not able to snag him, and that ultimately led the Lakers to getting DeAndre Jordan instead. So what could have been? Could have had Damian Jones. It wasn't for the Kings picking up that option. I've got a comment here from Facebook said, Mello and Monk will boost our team significantly with shooting. Yeah, look, I mean, Carmelo Anthony, let's talk about him. I thought he looked... Like Carmelo Anthony, right? He made some tough fadeaways, hit some shots, 0-for-1 from three, only took one three-pointer. I'm interested to see if the three-point shooting from last season translates, but he's more of the guy that's going to play off of a LeBron, off of Westbrook, get the open corner three, shot better than 40% uh, last season. Can that continue? But he was a guy who you could throw him the ball and he can get you a decent look. Wasn't super efficient, but two boards, one assist, one steal. I thought he was just fine. I thought he was just fine tonight. Um, and was basically exactly what i thought carmelo anthony would be and that's there's something kind of comforting in that just like dwight howard last game right dwight howard had like what was it 12 points and uh and a bunch of rebounds and then six fouls a technical a flagrant in like 13 minutes right so but that's just what you expect out of dwight and there's something comforting out of This is what we expected, and this is exactly what Dwight is. Same thing with Carmelo Anthony. He was exactly what I was anticipating him being. No better, no worse, and I'm excited to see what he looks like alongside LeBron and Russell Westbrook with those guys drawing some of the attention from the defense. I think he's going to be a pretty solid piece for the Lakers, a guy who can step in and score some buckets. I've got some people saying uh, they miss Alex Caruso. I know. We all saw the highlights from the Bulls game. uh, I believe it was last night. Lonzo Ball also had a really nice pass in that one. Yep, former Lakers thriving elsewhere. I know. We're all going to miss Alex Caruso. But no longer a Laker. Wish him the best. And then hopefully this team can, uh, can make up for that loss. All right, so somebody from YouTube is asking, what's happening with Ellington? Uh, What's happening with Ellington? So right now, Wayne Ellington, two for five shooting in this one, one for three, six boards, five points. Look, he's a shooter. And one of the things Ellington does really well is he plays well off of better players, right? Guys who are going to attract the attention of the defense. He's a guy who can really take advantage when defenses are paying attention elsewhere. That's that's what he does. And so he's going to look better. I think he's looked okay. He's going to look better when LeBron is out there, when Russell Westbrook's out there opening up looks for him. I think that's going to be important. I think defensively, we knew this was going to be an issue. Look, typically guys who shoot better than 40% from three, they get bigger contracts than a veteran minimum, right? So why did Wayne Ellington not get a bigger contract? It's because he's not good defensively. Um, that's just, that's again, if he was, then he wouldn't be a Laker right now because somebody would have paid a lot more for him. So he's not good defensively. And that's a challenge. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Frank Vogel manages that. I'm not worried about the shooting with Wayne Ellington. I know this is two games in a row where you can say, okay, he shot a little bit below average, but realistically tonight we're talking about one make, right? If he had made one shot that he missed, Okay, say a shot that rimmed out, if it had gone in, we'd be looking at a three for five night, two for three from three, and we'd be saying, wow, that was a great shooting night, right? That's the difference right now, especially with such a small sample size of preseason, okay? So we need to keep that in mind. I'm not worried about the shooting. And I think the Lakers in general aren't worried about the offense, and that's something I want to talk about in just a minute. But the defense, I think, is a concern to the point where I have to wonder, what is the what are the Lakers, what does Frank Bogle do with Ellington and Monk? I don't know that you can play both of them in the same lineup. Or if you do, you've got to make sure every other guy on the floor is a great defender. So you would have to do Ellington, Monk, LeBron, AD, Bazemore or something. would have to be your lineup, right, in order to maybe make that work on the defensive end of the floor. Or do you stagger Ellington and Monk? How do you do that? It's going to be really interesting to see how Frank Vogel navigates that. I mentioned this earlier on Twitter. I said, you know, one of the Lakers' issues is they've got shooters and they have defenders. They don't have a lot of guys who do both. Like, in theory, Trevor Ariza should be a guy who can do both. Right? In theory, Kent Bazemore should be a guy who can do both. But neither one of those guys shoot threes with a volume that an Ellington does or a Monk does. Neither one of those guys are going to force defenses to go out there and defend them with the same fervor that you do out of these high-volume shooters. But those guys can't defend at the same level. So how do you manage that? I think that's going to be something that's uh, that'll be a real test for Frank Vogel, a defense-first head coach. How do you get the shooting on the floor without completely sabotaging your defense? Again, I don't know that you can put Ellington and Monk on the floor at the same time because defensively you're going to get burned. It's going to be interesting to see how Frank Vogel manages that. I do also think it's interesting, and we need to talk about this, Frank Vogel in the second half, he started Rajon Rondo. And I think the reason for that is we're only through two preseason games, but we're starting to see Wayne Ellen or Kendrick Nunn. He's not a true point guard. And we knew that, but he's really not a true point guard. He's best as the secondary ball handler. In fact, I think having Rondo on the floor actually opened up Nunn's game. He looked a lot better in the second half, and I think it's because he didn't have those primary playmaking duties anymore. He was able to be the secondary initiator and really attack and then make that final pass that would lead to a basket and let Rondo kind of run the show. So that's just, that's not set in stone. Again, we're only through two preseason games, but it's something to file away. And keep in mind, hey, Kendrick Nunn looks a lot more comfortable with another guard on the floor with him that can handle the basketball, that can create offense. That's going to be something to think about moving forward too. Because if that's the case, then I don't know that you just pencil in Kendrick Nunn as your backup point guard. You might have to think of him more as a two, which means you're focusing on making sure that he's sharing the floor with Russ, sharing the floor with LeBron. I think that's going to be important as well. By the way, on the on the night, Kendrick Nunn, 5 of 12. One for five from three. That's not exactly what you'd hope for there, but 11 points, three boards, two assists from him. I thought it was an okay performance. Not great, not terrible, just okay from Kendrick Nunn, but maybe the Lakers discovered something. Rajon Rondo kind of unlocking him a little bit. <clears throat> Uh, a lot of people saying the defense looked bad. Yeah, look, the, the defense did not look good. But again, it's a very new team. And I also say this, you know, we talk about this a lot, that the, the benefit of having veterans out on the floor is not just that they know what they're doing. They know what everybody else is supposed to be doing too. So there's a cohesiveness that can come from having veterans on the floor for you and particularly on the back line. So when we look at guys like LeBron, who's really good at directing traffic, that's going to help. That's going to help make the Lakers defense look better because they can tell everybody exactly where to go at all times. It's hard if you're Anthony Davis, the only guy who ran the system last year, and you're expected to control all four guys out there with you and tell them where to go because they can be a half a step off and the other team scoring on you. That's a real challenge. But when it's suddenly LeBron is out there too, that's going to help the situation quite a bit. So that's another thing to consider on the defensive end of the floor. It's going to improve with LeBron out there because he's going to be able to direct traffic a bit more, which I think this team does need. There have been a lot of times where guys kind of look lost, and that's just a growing pain. That's what happens this early on in the season. Uh, Ken DeGuzman. From Facebook said, what's up with Bazemore? Three turnovers, bad shooting, getting burned on defense. I hope he doesn't start. So Baysmore tonight, two of four from sh- from the field. That's not bad. That's fine. 50%. He was over two from three, but that's, you know, it's two shots. The three turnovers, yeah, that's a bit much. Uh, I believe they may have counted a play where he kind of had a rebound, and then you had um, Jalen Smith from the Suns knocked it away from him. That might have counted as a turnover. That's a little bit fluky. I, he didn't have a great performance, but I thought he was pretty good defensively in the first game. And then we've been hearing out of practice that he's really separated himself from a lot of the other guys defensively. I'm not going to assume this is just who he is. I'm I'm going to think that what we saw in game one and what we heard about coming out of practice is more what we're going to get out of Kent Bays more on a consistent basis. I don't think this was as bad of a game as some people are making it out to be, but I don't think it was a great game for him either. But I do think he's overall better than, than what we saw tonight, particularly on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, slim thug from YouTube, the super chat. Thank you. What happened to the Lakers screen and roll offense? Lakers get no roll gravity or space when they do this, whereas the Sun did. Suns did and it worked. Well, the Suns are, have a team that know exactly how to run it, exactly the timing, exactly like all of those things. Inches matter when you're running pick and roll. Right? So the Suns are a team that have been doing it for over a year now. They've been together. Right. This is a team that's been together and they know exactly how to do it. The Lakers are still kind of figuring that out. Yes, their pick-and-roll game does need to be better, but it's also possible that that's just something the Lakers aren't running a lot because, well, maybe it's something that they feel fairly comfortable with and the coaches want to work on something else. Keep in mind, this this is not Frank Vogel putting a team out there saying, we have to win this game. This is the coaching staff putting a team out there and saying, let's give this a shot. Well, that's not working. Let's go try this. All right. Let's see what this looks like. That's what they are very much. They're in the laboratory. They are experimenting right now. They're seeing what's working and seeing what's not. They aren't coming out here with the goal of let's win this game. They're saying, hey, it would be nice if we win, but we've got 15 priorities before winning tonight's game. Right. It's preseason. That's what this is for. It would be nice. Yes, we would all feel a lot better if the Lakers won and just crushed the Suns. But right now, the coaching staff is very much experimenting. I do think the pick and roll is going to be a much bigger part of their game. I think you don't have that many guards right now who can run it that well. It'll be a lot different when it's LeBron James out there, when it's Russell Westbrook. I do think we're going to see more pick and roll play from the Lakers. But right now, are you going to run pick and roll with Rondo? Sure, you can. Kendrick Nunn, you can. But again, your timing might be a little bit off with the new faces out there. So just something to consider. I do think we will see more of it moving forward because that's pretty much the bread and butter offense for every team in the NBA, but there may be a reason why they're not running it that much right now.
1: All right, let's do a few more here.
0: Somebody said, uh, "Nunn is a score-first point guard." Yes, absolutely, he is, and that's that's something that we have to realize when we're looking at Kendrick Nunn, and we just slot him in as that backup one. He's not a guy that's necessarily creating shots for others, so it's important to keep that in mind when we're kind of penciling in lineups moving forward. Somebody said, "Close to 400,000 subscribers." That's right, the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. We're right on the cusp of hitting 400,000 subscribers. So, if you have not done so yet, Go to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Help me out. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. You guys know I'm right here with you after every single game. Usually I have guests with me. This one, the early start time, threw them off, so you get a solo show, just me and all of you. But uh, make sure you do go subscribe. I appreciate it. I can't wait to hit that 400,000 mark, and I know we are almost there. All right. We need to talk about it. So we do have a couple of awards in this show. And one of them is the Next Man Up Award. We're going to do that one. There's also going to be a 360 award, which we're going to do for the best star player, 3-6-0, uh, the Lakers stars numbers. But obviously only one of them played tonight, Anthony Davis. So let's go with the Next Man Up Award. And I think for the second night in a row, it's the same guy. The second game in a row, the Next Man Up, the best player that wasn't one of the Lakers stars Malik Monk. It's an easy pick. 18 points. Tremendous shooting. Looks great. His shot is effortless. Uh, Again, defensively, there's some real concerns, but I think the Lakers have really found something, and I'm seeing him more and more. I know a lot of us have talked about him as a starter, but I'm seeing him more and more as that microwave, which is why he gets that nickname style scorer coming in off the bench. So he was great tonight. Again, I don't expect this shooting to be sustainable because he's been so hot. There's going to be some regression at some point. But for right now, Malik Monk looking really, really good for the Lakers. And so I think he's absolutely worthy of the Next Man Up Award. In just a few minutes, we'll do the Master Lock of the Night Award to the most annoying player or moment in this game. So you guys can start thinking about who should be put in Chris Masters' Master Lock. We'll get to that in just a minute. (laughs) Somebody said, Robert Thompson said, Monkra wave. I like it. I like it. All right. Sorry, I've been talking too much today, I'm losing my voice a little bit. So, somebody said <laughs> DeAndre Jordan, too slow, too clumsy. Yeah, he had a tough outing today for sure, was not again though. I keep coming back to this. If the Lakers See these things in don DeAndre Jordan permanently, right? We've heard good things coming out of practice, right? So fingers crossed, hopefully this is just another off day. but if he really just isn't cutting it, what are the Lakers going to do? They're gonna play dwight, they're gonna play a d He's not gonna get a lot of minutes, so that's maybe a little bit of of solace there. Let's talk real quick about the end of the bench, guys, so Austin Reeves, I was impressed with him today. I thought he looked. He looked a lot better today than any time in Summer League, just in terms of the crispness, the decisiveness. There were still some moments where he was lost, but again, this guy's just coming into the league. Ten points, three assists, including a really nice pass to DeAndre Jordan in the paint. One for four from three is three-point shooting. I think does need improvement, but five for five from the line, two for six shooting. He was really playing. He looked like he was playing like a player who's starting to get it where things are starting to click and he's feeling more confident out there. He didn't play this game like a young player that's out there thinking, just don't make mistakes. He looked like a player that was thinking, I can make an impact on this game. And again, he still made mistakes. He got out-rebounded a number of times, just wasn't quite big enough on some plays. I'm not saying he's the the new starter or anything like that, or even a rotation player. Just saying that he made some really nice plays tonight and he was impressive. The other guy who stood out, that's my guy. Same thing with, with uh, Matt, the Optimist Peralta. Chandy Brown. Chandi Brown looked good. Three for three, one of one from uh, three-point land, three boards, nine points in eight minutes. He's the kind of wing player that I think teams in the NBA are going to really want. Again, ways to go. He's got to develop. He's got to get used to the NBA game. There's still some diff- some things that he's got to work on. But I'm excited about him to the point where we had question marks about Joel Ayi coming in. Did not look good in summer league. He's one of the Lakers two-way spots right now. Oh, for 6 tonight from Ayi. I did not think he looked great. Two steals. We kind of held out hope that Ayayi, when he was playing against some top talent, when he was playing alongside better talent, that he's the kind of player who would also get better. He would raise his game because he plays well off of better players. And that's okay. That's the thing. That's the thing. There's guys who are just, they're better when the guys playing with them are better players because they're guys that kind of feed off of everybody else and they're reliant on a good drive and kick to get them the ball in the right spot. They're not going to create that stuff on their own. And so there was some thought that maybe that would be Ayayi. So far, he's still continued to not look great from Summer League. And that's where I wonder, you know, right now the Lakers have one two-way spot open. I I wonder, are we going to see two two two-way spots open? The Lakers can always move on from a yai if it's just not there. And if that's the case, then you could be talking, to, uh, talking about two of these guys getting two-way spots for the Lakers. So something to consider. Chandy Brown right now would be my leader in terms of who should get it uh, on the Lakers. I am biased. He's been my guy since Summer League. But right now, Chandy Brown is the guy that I think would, uh, would make the most sense getting that two-way spot. Uh, we did see... Uh, Cam Oliver got some minutes as well. Did not see Trevlin Queen. Did not see Mac McClung in this one. But I thought John D. Brown was, was impressive, as was Austin Reeves. But he's already got a full roster spot. All right, guys. Let's do the master lock of the night. Here it is. Whoops. That one's not it. Let's go this one. That's what's. This My system, apparently, is running at the same level as the Lakers' defense was. My Master Lock of the Night graphic has gone missing, apparently. I'm going to have to go find it and figure out what happened to that. It's right, it's like, I'm in preseason mode as well, apparently, everybody. But I can still give you the Master Lock of the Night. If you watch this game, you already know who it is. And no, it's not a Lakers player, and I know we were frustrated with some of the Lakers. But let me look at the chat. People saying Lakers defense. No, it's not Lakers defense. People laughing. Even Trevor messing up. Yeah, okay. I'm in preseason form too as well. It is Jay Crowder. Once again, I feel like every time the Lakers play the Suns, it's automatically Jay Crowder. If you saw the play, you know what I'm talking about. Anthony Davis running down the floor. Jay Crowder runs up behind him, tangles up his light legs with ADs, and pushes him to the ground. If there's people who question whether or not Jay Crowder is a dirty player, they're going to be looking at plays like that, and they're going to say that's not accidental, that's not a coincidence, that's Jay Crowder doing Jay Crowder things. So, maybe it really was. We'll give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, but the fact that this is happening again now, and with a star player for the Lakers, Jay Crowder, in my mind, needs to be put in Chris Masters' Master Lock. And I'm seeing a lot of people saying they can't stand Jay Crowder. Some people, they didn't say they didn't see it. Yeah, the play went ahead. AD was behind the play when Jay Crowder did this. So, yes, definitely something. It's floating around out there on the internet. You can go check it out. But yes, Jay Crowder, very deserving of the master lock, not just because of that play, but because of who it was with. With Anthony Davis, let's not mess with AD's ankles, with his legs like that. Just all kinds of uh, just awfulness from Jay Crowder. There's simply no reason for that, especially in a preseason game. All right, let's see. Oh, somebody said that's why AD shouldn't play in preseason. Well, I think we're also seeing why he should, right? There's a little bit of rust there with Anthony Davis. He wasn't able to play the end of last season and really be himself. He feels like he needs to get his legs under him a little bit. And so that's why he's told the Lakers that he wants to play in this game. He wants to play in these games because he wants to try to get some of that rust off of him. He wants to get into a little bit of a rhythm, and I think he needs it right now. I think he looks like he kind of needs to get into a rhythm. So I understand that, but again, the injury risk, always going to be a little extra careful with Anthony Davis, and so seeing that kind of play happen, inexcusable. All right, let's do a couple more. And then we'll call it tonight, and we'll get over to uh, watching the Dodger game here. The Dodgers right now still down one to nothing at the top of the third. Cardinals have one runner on first with one out. 52 pitches thrown already by Max Scherzer. Come on, Dodgers. Let's get this going. Uh, somebody mentioned from YouTube, the Suns went 0-4 last preseason and then went to the NBA Finals just saying, yeah, I mean, preseason really means nothing. Okay, uh, The Lakers historically would lose most of their preseason games. Think about back to the Shaq and Kobe Lakers when they wouldn't play in preseason, and the Lakers would lose a bunch because their guys weren't playing. That could very well be the case here in this. again, It's not it's not nothing. It's not nothing. This, there's things to take away from preseason games, but it's not the end-all be-all either. Up, oh, Dodgers get the runner out at second. Two outs now with a runner on first. Uh, again, Cardinals still up one to nothing.
1: Somebody said, should we be worried? No, let's not worry just yet. All right,
0: one more. One more, and then I'm going to rest my voice for a bit. Carol Zabrano. hopefully we win a couple of preseason games, though. Yes, if nothing else, just for the morale of the fan base, it would certainly be nice to win a few preseason games. The next opportunity to do that will be Friday in Golden State, It'll be interesting to see who are the Warriors playing. That's really what so many of these preseason games come down to. Are you playing your stars or not? Are you playing your guys or are you playing your bench, right? So far, the Lakers have essentially, aside from Anthony Davis, been playing their bench. We'll see what the Warriors do. Is it Steph Curry out there? Is it Andrew Wiggins? We'll see. Obviously, the whole ordeal with with him from before. Uh, Draymond Green, is he going to be out there? That's going to be a question mark. Uh, So Friday, another opportunity for the Lakers to get a win. It would definitely be nice to see them win a few especially in the last, say, two preseason games, because that's when you usually really put your full lineup out there and you run through the stuff that you're going to use in the regular season and you try to use that as your ramp up. So those final two preseason games really keep an eye on. I think the next two, we're going to continue to see. We'll see a little bit more of a push to win, but I think we're going to continue to see a lot of the coaching staff saying, hey, let's try this, let's try that, let's work on this, let's work on that, and really use this as time to experiment. Again, though, if if you take away anything from this, Take away anything from this. Know that it's not time to panic just yet. It's two preseason games. These don't even count for the record, okay? Nothing to worry about at this moment. Are there things we would like to improve? Absolutely. But they've got until October 19th to fix some things. And even then, they have the whole rest of the season to figure stuff out. This is a new team. Be patient. It takes time, okay? Not time to worry just yet. It would definitely be nice to see these things looking better. But the fact that they aren't, is also not a sign of absolute disaster, like some people make it out to be. All right, Lakers Nation, let's go watch this Dodgers game. Appreciate you joining me here tonight. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Ring that notification bell as well. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe.